Gordon in the backfield. Allen all alone on the left. Just gets it in time. Going underneath for Gordon. Has the reception. Five to the corner of the end zone. Touchdown, Chargers. Knock on wood. That was Matt Money Smith's call of Melvin Gordon's go-ahead touchdown reception last Sunday on the Chargers Broadcast Network. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on our Raiders Week edition of Chargers Weekly. Former Raiders linebacker Kirk Morrison joins me in a bit to share his perspective on this rivalry. Marcellus Wiley also drops in to recap last week's win and give his prediction for Sunday. But we start things off with former Raiders quarterback and CBS NFL analyst Rich Gannon. All right, my first guest will be on the call for Sunday's game on CBS alongside the great Kevin Harlan. Rich Gannon joins me on Chargers Weekly. And Rich, before we get into Raiders week, the Chargers got their first win of the year last Sunday on the road against the Giants. What did you take away from that game that was different from what we saw in the team's first four losses? Well, you know what's interesting? I was was studying uh, this team as I get ready for the call this weekend. Uh, one one stat really jumped out to me, and I just think that uh, it's it's not a coincidence. Uh, you, you look at you know Melvin Gordon having his first hundred yard rushing game of the season, and it just coincides with the Chargers' first one of the season. And and I just think that uh, that has a lot to do with it. I, I think he's the key to it. I really do. I just talk about having some balance, talk about being able to lead on the running game a little bit, how that helps the defense, how it helps the play action game, how it helps the quarterback, how it helps protection. And I just. You just watch them the first month of the season, it just seems like that was more of an afterthought. I, I just think moving forward, uh, they've got to be able to lean more on, on Melvin Gordon, who I think is one of the better backs in the league. You know, Richie had 163 total yards from scrimmage, two receiving touchdowns, and actually he was just named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. And you saw, you saw the running game go, get going, 5.2 yards of carry. Are we starting to see this Anthony Lynn running game take shape a little bit? You know, I, I, I mentioned as we did the, the Chargers Chiefs in week three, I, I thought there was a bit of a power struggle going on. I think you have, you know, the quarterback that wants to throw it and he's more comfortable in the gun. And you've got a, you know, a, a head coach who's had great success in places he's been in with the Jets and the Bills and running the football, being a power downhill running team. And you've got a running back really that's built to play. Uh, with his heels at seven yards in the eye, and you're not using them that way. And I think if you talk to any good running back, they prefer to be in the eye where they've got better vision, they've got the ability to, to really attack on both sides of, 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 uh, of the center, and yet you, when you put them in the gun offset, it, things happen quicker, your vision's different, the landmarks are different, and I just think that you know, that's going to be the, the challenge is trying to find the balance between what Rivers is comfortable doing and what Melvin Gordon's comfortable doing. You know, we're starting to see kind of these these extended runs with Melvin too. Just you know, when Rivers is in the gun or these short screens, and I think it really does suit Melvin's game. And to your point, I think just trying to find that balance, right, of getting Melvin downhill and also utilizing him in the passing game because he's one of the few running backs in this league that can catch the ball out of the backfield and and do something with it. Yeah, he's he's a he's a dual threat. There's no question about it. You look at guy like Le'Veon Bell, you know, in, in Pittsburgh. And I think they're, they're similar in that they both have good hands. They, they can have a little route tree and they can be effective, even not just running routes out of the backfield, but if you want to motion them out, you want to put them in the slot, put them outside the numbers and then they can do some of those things. So, and again, as a, as a play call, you're just, you're always thinking about ways of getting you, your best players in space and letting them go to work. So, Look, when I look at this offense, there's plenty of talent. I mean, you look at Keenan Allen, he looks like he's back. And you look at 
uh, Inman, you, you, the, the fact that they may get Mike Williams back this week or, you know, uh, in the very near future, that's going to be significant. Uh, the tight end situation is good. I don't think Antonio Gates has a ton left with the vertical passing game, but he's still effective banger inside and in third down and in the red zone. And of course, I really like Hunter Henry. So, I mean, I just think there's plenty of talent there, but Philip Rivers has to behave himself. And what I mean by that is the turnovers. You go back and look at the last couple of years, he's up there with the guy down there in Jacksonville and Blake Bortles in terms of turnovers. And that's, that can't happen. He's just too good of a player. And, you know, you don't certainly don't want to tarnish your legacy, but he's got to, if he takes care of the football, they can run it a little bit and they can rely on their, their pass rush and, and their pass defense. I think they've got a chance to be really competitive. Yeah. You got to eliminate those mistakes and enrich the chargers. They lost three of their first four games by a field goal or less. And the game that you and Kevin called against the chiefs, Hey, it was a one-possession game in the middle of the fourth quarter despite Phillips' three interceptions in that first half. This team has had their struggles in close games, and recent history has shown that. But what can a come-from-behind road win like they just had do for a locker room? You know, it's amazing how quickly things can turn. You know, the year I went to the Super Bowl with the Raiders in 2002, we lost four games in a row um, from weeks five through uh, eight, you know, and, and so, I mean, you know, doesn't good teams don't lose two in, a, two in a row, let alone four in a row. But what I'm saying is you can come back from it, you know, and we started four and oh, we lost four straight. We were four and four. And then we finished, you know, winning seven of our last eight. So, I mean, you can get on a roll in this way pretty easily. And especially when you have a veteran quarterback like Phillip Rivers, I just think that, you know, they have to realize as a team that every game is going to come down to the wire. I don't think they're good enough. Not a lot of teams that are good enough in this league, even the undefeated Chiefs. I mean, you know, every game that they play, for the most part, comes down to the wire as well. And so, you know, you look at the last 29 games uh, they've played since 2015. So they played 29 games that have been decided by literally a score or less, eight points or less since 2015, and they're eight and 21 in those games. And then you go back to 2016, they've lost, they've had seven losses by a field goal or less. I mean, they're. It's not like they're getting blown out. I mean, they're in these games. They've got to learn how to finish, take care of the football late in games, run the ball out, run the ball to win late in games, get off the field on third down. You know, and, and that's not what they're just not doing it. You know, the, the problems with the kicking game early with, with, with the kicker coup and, you know, it's, that's, that's what it comes down to in this game, making a kick, you know, getting off the field, you know, taking care of the football, closing out a game by being able to get a couple first downs running it. And that's what they haven't been able to do over the last two seasons. Rich, for the Chargers, you're last in the league in rushing defense. And as a result, to your point, you're also last in the league in time of possession. Under 27 minutes a game, that's not going to get it done. And the Giants got big chunks last week, and they entered the the game, Rich, 31st in the league in rushing. Uh, What adjustments can you make as a defense to kind of tighten this up, get get your offense on the field a little bit more? Well, it's like anything else. Until you stop it, you're going to see heavy doses of it. And, and even the Raiders this week, you know, there's a good chance Derek Carr comes back. And I think they're going to want to be smart with him. And if you looked at them last week against the Ravens, they really tried to feature Marshawn Lynch and Jalen Richard a lot more. I mean, they were trying to lean on the running game again. They were playing with uh, E.J. Manuel, and, and I think there's some concern there. But I think they're going to try and run a little bit. And why wouldn't you? I mean, if you got a team that hasn't stopped the run, uh, you're just going to continue to try. They got the Raiders have a big offensive line. It's been a point of emphasis. They have not run the ball particularly well. Uh, you look at where they're at running the football. I mean, they've got this you know big back and Marshawn Lynch, and yet uh, you know they're just 23rd in the league in rushing. They're averaging just around 90 yards a game. So 
if you're the Chargers, look, I think there's a couple things. I mean, I think they have to play the, the linebacker play has to be better inside. You look at um, you know where they're at with Brown and Emmanuel and, and, and Tumor and some of those players. They they have to do a better job disengaging, getting off of blocks, playing with their shoulder pads and, and square the line of scrimmage, and, and not giving up the explosive runs. Um, you know better angles in the secondary I, I did the Chiefs game and and uh, Kareem Hunt breaks off a big run there at the end and you know I think it was a die or I think it was a die took, took a poor angle coming down from the secondary and let him get out the back door so you know those are the things just eliminate some of the explosive runs tightening things up a little bit with their defense and just making people one-dimensional and they have not been able to do that through the first five weeks you know, I think one of the underrated injuries this year, we talked about Jason Verrett, which was obviously a huge blow, but when you lose Denzel Perryman at the linebacker position in the, in the preseason, you're seeing his loss certainly over these last few weeks. And well, they'll get him back in a few weeks, but I think that, that Denzel Perryman injury is probably the most underrated of the season. Yeah, he's a tackling machine. Now, you know, I also like to Davis Brown. He makes a lot of tackles as well. In fact, I think he's second in the league right now with 46 tackles, but you know, you want to make the tackles at or around the line of scrimmage and not five or six yards downfield. That, that's really where they've got to be able to tighten things up. And I think, you know, you've got really good pass rushers in Ingram and Boza, but they have not been able to, to stop the run. I'm talking about collectively as a group, the 11 men on the field. And that's, that really gets back to Gus Bradley and some of the things he has to do differently, whether it's playing a little bit more eight-man front football, bringing some run pressures on the early downs to kind of discourage people from, from doing that. Tackling. I mean, it sounds simple, right? Tackling. It's 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 a, it's a part. It's a basic part of the game. But you know, too many missed tackles, um, and you know, you know, too many, uh, you know, explosive runs like we talked about. So that to me, that's really where they've got to get better. And look, when you look at the Chargers, there's a reason they're one and four. I mean, it's not because of just one player. They've collectively they have not played uh, complimentary football, and I think that's uh, that has to change. You got to be better in the kicking game. Hopefully, Nick Novak can come in there and, and take care of it the place kicking duties and and uh you know you look at offensively things that they've got to do better defensively some of the things we've talked about to, to be able to go on the road and get a win against the raiders and let's get into sunday rich because the big news as you alluded to Derek carr is expected to return for the raiders and he's going to be facing probably the best pass rushing duo in the nfl as it stands now with in joey bosa and melvin ingram collectively they have 12 sacks they have 19 quarterback hits on the season and to me, this jumps out as the biggest matchup of the game. Can this Raiders offensive line keep Carr clean? Uh, needless to say, I think this is going to be a big point of emphasis this week in Oakland. Yeah, and, and here's the good news if you're a Chargers fan. This Raiders offensive line supposed supposedly one of the best in football. Certainly there's a lot of money tied up in this group. When you look at Penn and, and Hudson, Osemele, Gabe Jackson was a draft pick back in 14. Last year, they allowed just 18 sacks. This season, they've already given up 12, and that's a problem. Penn has not played as well at the left tackle position. If there's a weakness along this Raider offensive line, it's the right tackle, Marshall Newhouse. He, he has given up some sacks. He's, he struggles a little bit with speed off the edge. So you look at uh, Ingram over there, Boza, if they put him over there. I mean, that should be a favorable matchup. Um, and, you know, look, the quarterback is – really a talented player when he's healthy. I just don't know where he's at health-wise. The other thing is, you really study Derek Carr and this Raiders passing attack. Carr doesn't hold the ball. I mean, the ball comes out quick. I think he's averaging just a little under 2.2 seconds a throw, 
which is the lowest average uh, time to throw in the league. I think it's 2.16 to be exact. So the ball, he's getting it out quick. I mean, it's a lot of quick hitting throws, quick game. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's got great accuracy, but he's precise and he, he makes quick decisions. So that's going to be the challenge. And it's frustrating sometimes for guys like Bose and Ingram, who, you know, you know, you think the guy's going to take a couple hitches, but this isn't one of those guys. This guy, he, he, he delivers it pretty quick. And the Rays are a different team, Rich, when, when Carr's in the lineup. But I, I, I go back to a few weeks ago, that game in Washington on, on Sunday Night Football, when Carr was in the lineup, and this team hasn't been right since. They they were dominated against the Redskins. And the last three weeks, just, they just haven't been able to get it going. What's the biggest difference? Obviously, Carr makes a world of difference, but he was in that game against the Redskins, and they still really struggled on both sides of the football. Couple things to keep in mind. They've got a new play caller, so they moved on from Bill Musgrave. They promoted Todd Dowling to be the play caller. He doesn't have a long history of that. I think there's been some growing pains there. I would tell you that third down has been absolutely awful. You mentioned um, the Redskin game. You go back the week after that against the Broncos. They couldn't convert a third down. I think in two weeks they were two of 23 on third down. I mean, they they they, they they've been awful. And the other part of it is, I think there's a little bit. Like the Chargers, I think they've gone through some growing pains in terms of who are they as an offense. They went out and got Marshawn Lynch. They want to lean on him a little bit, and that that it, he's not getting enough touches. I mean, he's he's the type of back that needs to get 25 in a game and just get lathered up. And you know, he's he can he's one of those throwbacks where he gets stronger as the game goes along. He's not getting those type of touches. You know, he's getting a couple early to take him out. He's not in there on third down. I mean, so it's just I, I think he's had a difficult time get go, getting going, and then the, the offensive line hasn't played as well. So, but and the other issue that they've had is Amari Cooper. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Amari Cooper, but he has really struggled, and he's just uh, not the same player. You look at his numbers; um, he's in the last three games he's got four catches for twenty three yards. In fact, last week he just had a single catch for eight yards. He's not separating; he's not win, winning a lot of the one on one battles. So. That's a problem right now. So this, I mean, look, they could be getting the Raiders at, at the right time uh, with, with Derek Carr, you know, coming back from a, a significant injury, a transverse process fracture in his lower back. Who knows where he's going to be at on Sunday? Rich, I wanted to ask you about Cooper because you mentioned those those numbers last three weeks, four catches, 23 yards. He has five drops on the season. As a quarterback, what can you do? What can Derek Carr do to instill a little bit of confidence in Cooper? Because he seems to have lost it. I, I just the last three weeks have been mind-boggling. Yeah, I think there's a couple things. I think it's not just the quarterback; uh, it's also the play caller. You've got to, you know, you've got to find a way to get a guy like that going early in the game. In other words, guy struggling with his confidence, get him some touches, get him some catches, get him some. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know, get them in rhythm. And I think to do that by, you know, structuring your, your game plan that way. And, and, and any good coordinator would do that. You want to make sure the Crabtree gets a couple cut touches and so does Cooper. And so if he's struggling getting off a of press man-to-man coverage, then help him out. Get him in some stack alignments. Get him in some bunch sets. Uh, throw him some quick bubble screens. Just do, do, do some things to get him, you know, get him in the feel of the game. And the problem with him is, you know, a half will go by and he doesn't have a catch. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's, he's struggling a little bit. And so they, they've got to get him going. He's a talented player. He's very good with the ball in his hands. They just haven't been able to get the ball in his hands. And, and he's, he's just not creating enough separation. And then when you really study him, I think he's got to clean up some of the route running. He's not doing a good enough job at the top of his stem, at the top of the route, with that extra little move or, or, or stutter step to be able to create some separation between himself and the cornerback. 
Rich, these games are always so close. In, in both games last year, the Raiders won by a field goal. We'll get you out of here on this. You know these AFC rivalries better than anybody. What's going to be the deciding factor on Sunday when you look at this Chargers and Raiders team? Well, I know it sounds simple, but you know usually it's it's ball security and, and the turnover battle. I think there's probably two things. You got two quarterbacks that are that are gunslingers. I think it's going to come down to protection because you know you look at the Chargers and they've got two great rushers and. Ingram and, and Boza, and you look at the Raiders, and they've got some guys that can scream off the edge as well. We haven't really talked about Khalil Mack and, of course, uh, Bruce Irvin. So uh, I think protection is going to be key. And then the other key component, um, the two other areas, it's going to be third down because the Raiders have really, really struggled on third down. The Chargers have had their own issues on third down. So converting third down, you do that by, you know, being in manageable situations on third down. And then you know, the Raiders settled for a bunch of field goals last week. You know, being able to finish when you get down in the scoring zone—that's you know, these, each possession you got to you got to realize as an offense, you only get a, you only get a handful of them. You know, you get eight between eight and eleven or twelve possess, possessions in a game. And you got to make them all count. And you, you know, if you if you think about it, you get down that scoring zone, you got to come away with touchdowns and not field goals. It's a big game for both teams, division game. Both teams need this win badly. He's Rich Gannon. He'll be in the booth for Sunday's game in Oakland with Kevin Harlan on CBS. Rich, have a great call this weekend. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Hey, fans, be there live to support the L.A. Chargers this season. Always buy your Chargers tickets from our official ticketing partner, Ticketmaster and the NFL Ticket Exchange. Only Ticketmaster has verified tickets that are 100% guaranteed to get you in every time. Other sellers can only guarantee they'll give you a refund if they sell you a fraudulent ticket. So go with a trusted source and our official partner and know you're going to the game. All right, my next guest, he's a San Diego State alum. He played five seasons with the Raiders, and he covers the NFL for ESPN Radio and Sirius XM here in Los Angeles. So really, I couldn't think of a better guy to bring on for Raiders Week. Former linebacker Kirk Morrison joins me on Chargers Weekly. Kirk, what's up, man? What's up, Chris? How we doing, my man? I'm good. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. It's Raiders Charger Week, man. What? Well, uh, what better week can you tell me about, man? This is this is the week, Raider Charger Week, Battle of California. You know better than anybody, man. Hey, follow Kirk on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison. But before we get into Sunday, Kirk, I know you're a busy guy, and you're in the booth right now for ESPN College Football on Saturdays. What game do you have this week? Uh, this week I'll be in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, as Nevada takes on Colorado State this week, uh, Battle in the Mountain West, late night Mountain West Conference after dark sort of like Pac-12 after dark, but a, a nice little matchup, uh, you know, with two teams, obviously different records, but uh, it's an interesting matchup to say the least because uh, Colorado State, nice little program under Mike Bobo, former Georgia offensive coordinator. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, could they be, a, you know, a team that people will start talking about in the years to come. Kirk, you called that Troy-LSU game, man, and that was unbelievable. Tell me about just how that all went down at the end and just the reaction that you got in Baton Rouge. You know, you never know when you're going to get the game of the week. You just never know, and it's unreal because, you know, going into that game, you got Troy, um, you know, a Sunbelt Conference team that has actually played well in the two previous times they went to Baton Rouge and, and played. And then, you know, last year, this was a team that, you know, came close uh, against Clemson. So you knew that they had the capability of coming in and playing well, but I didn't expect them to play that well um, against them. But they caught an LSU team that is still trying to find itself. 
um, as far as the quarterback situation. And, like, just as the game played out, it was the first play of scrimmage. Troy knocks and gets an inter, uh, gets a fumble. They On the next drive, they score a touchdown, and you're like, okay, this may have <laughs> Something's something Something's brewing here. here. <laughs> and, you, and you start to get that feel, and the more and more the game went on, um, and then they kicked the field goal right at the end of half that literally bounced off the crossbar and in. And I said, that's the stuff that upsets you made of right there. Oh, man, it was an unbelievable game, man. It was awesome that you got to call that. Uh, but, Kirk, you played in this Chargers-Raiders rivalry, and there's no love lost in the AFC West. So you know that better than anybody. Uh, what are some of the memories right. that stand out from playing in this rivalry? Well, I mean, for me, it was always different because I had ties to San Diego um, with the Chargers. And then I, you know, obviously born and raised in Oakland. So, for me, it was uh, – I always had a ton of, of memories just because – I had everybody watching, whether it was the people who I went to school with or people who I've known that lived in San Diego at the time and, you know, spending my four and a half years in college down there. So when I got to the NFL and it was Raider Charger week, man, it was, you know, people would call me up like, oh, man, I can't wait to see you play and this and that. And then you get out there and you're playing against, you know, Drew Brees and LaDainian Tomlinson. Uh, Randall Godfrey. I mean, you, you, we're talking about some of the old school Chargers that people tend not to even talk about uh, enough about because, you know, the Lorenzo Neals and, uh, you know, the Chris Dillmans, the offensive lineman, man, it was, it, it was fun. It was a fun week because we knew that the Raiders kind of had a stronghold on the Chargers for a while. And then when I was got there, it was sort of a change that kind of occurred, you know, for that team, for the, um, for the Chargers, that they start to take over the in the uh, AFC West a little bit in that run under Marty Schottenheimer. But man, a ton of good memories from night games to day games, powder blues. I mean, you name it. That that rivalry when I played in it, man, it was it was special. Let's talk about these Raiders, Kirk, because they've lost three straight. But Derek Carr, he's expected to come back on Sunday after a two week absence with that back injury. And I just talked to Rich Gannon about this. I think this Raiders offensive line versus Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa could be the factor in deciding this game. Uh, what have you seen from Bosa and Ingram this year that have made them so dominant? Well, I mean, I saw it in the preseason too, as well. Um, look, Joey Bosa is playing a, you know, had a full off season, uh, full preseason, and we already know about Melvin Ingram. You know, he's a franchise player, signed a nice little contract. And I think people are really starting to understand that he is a terrific pass rusher. He's a guy that, to me, has come such a long way from when he first started uh, with the Chargers to now. He is a he is a force. And so now when I watched him during the preseason, I said, it's going to get ugly forcing teams because I saw rushes where they were on opposite sides. I saw some where they're on the same side. And then I saw some different stunts and blitzes where they were lined up in the middle and kind of played almost a defensive tackle and stand, a stand up type of linebacker and rush so I'm, I'm not surprised at all for what they're doing right now because they're giving offensive lines different offenses quarterbacks different looks and you never know where they're going to come from you never know where they're going to line up at and I think that's caused some confusion and you get just a little bit of confusion and you get the one-on-ones that these guys Ingram and Bosa want that that's why they've been successful so far this season yeah they have uh collectively 12 sacks and 19 quarterback hits on the season and it's a tough game for Derek Carr to to return to uh being that you got to go up against these pass rushers what do the Raiders have to do from uh an offensive perspective to to keep Carr clean well obviously you want to get the quick throws um how do you stop a 
a, a pass rush is get the ball out of your hands fairly quickly. You know, a lot of rhythm passing, you know, quick timing, uh, short routes underneath, catch and go elements is what we call it. Um, and then also too, you got to run the ball effectively. You know, and, you know, pass rushers, uh, if they are not allowed to pass rush because you're running the ball, they're getting into some third and shorts, third and mediums. Uh, that should be the game plan for the Raiders to stop the, that that defensive line of the Chargers. You got to get the running game going, which hasn't been there for the Raiders in the last couple of weeks. Um, and so they have to regain back that confidence they had going in. And then on top of that, too, they got to make some plays down the field at some point. And the Chargers secondary been, you know, pretty stingy about that. Had an interception last week, so they, they've they've been playing well. And I think the the Raiders need to find that that rhythm that they had in the first couple of weeks, and not what we've seen over the last three. You mentioned the run game. The Chargers right now last against the run this season. They're averaging over or allowing rather 161 yards a game. And the the Giants gashed them yeah. last week. And the Giants don't have much of a, a running game. You played linebacker for eight seasons, Kirk. What adjustments can a defense make to improve in that category? Well, you just want to make sure you keep going over your assignments. Uh, you know, gap integrity, uh, gap responsibility. And remember, this is a new defense you know, under Gus Bradley that the Chargers are playing this year. Different than what they've played in years past. More of a 3-4 scheme now. They're in a 4-3 base alignment. And so you just got to figure out where does everybody fit in. Meaning that, uh, look, you know, if you're on that side of the guard, you stay there, and I'll be on the other side of the guard. And I, I got a guy outside knowing where the free hitter is, where there's a safety, where there's an outside linebacker. You have to know how to play it. And then the one thing that I learned in my career is that, you have to know how teams are going to block you. It's one thing to go and play the play, but how are they going to block us because of our alignments? And once you understand that, you can put yourself in a better situation to make plays and then, you know, force the offense to have to do something else with their blocking scheme. Kirk, let's go around the league because I know you cover the NFL for Sirius XM and ESPN Radio. Um, what have been some of the biggest storylines for you over the first five weeks of the season? There's, there's a lot to choose from. I think the biggest part for me is that um, the Giants at 0-5 right now, uh, no one saw this coming. And then it, the thing about being 0-5 is you don't see it get any better as they have three wide receivers going on IR, well, one, two on IR and one in, injured, and I believe he's going on IR. Um, and I'm talking about uh, you know Dwayne Harris, the wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., and Brandon Marshall. Sterling Shepard is a little bit banged up. So that's a big storyline there at 0-5. You know, are the Giants already looking toward 2018? Because 2017, I think, is a watch, especially the way that you look at what's going on in that division right now. Four and one, the New York, I mean, sorry, the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think that the, the Giants are a huge topic. Um, another topic I got is just the rookie quarterbacks or the young quarterbacks in the league and how well that they've, you know, went out there and gotten acclimated to the NFL. Deshaun Watson is one that I speak of the most because. He's gotten his opportunity, and he's definitely played well. Uh, then you look at, you know, obviously Mitch Trubisky got his first start the other night. Um, he's played well. Um, well, he's playing, uh, you know, his first game, I thought he did well. You know, it was some things he can work on, but you definitely see that there's a future there. So that's another big storyline, the young quarterbacks. Um, in Los Angeles, it's got to be the Rams, you know, the second highest scoring team in the NFL right now. Um, they're scoring points. Um, obviously, that they beat Seattle last week. That's more of a uh, people can buy in even a little bit more. But I'm buying in for this team at three and two. They just look like a totally different team from last year. They're scoring points. They're making plays, and they got a big game against Jacksonville this week. That you know, when you looked at it before the season, they say, "Oh, Rams, Jacksonville." I mean, uh, you know, Rams versus the Jaguars. Uh, 
whatever. But now you look at that, and that's a really big game for both those teams. And I think really for the league itself, you know, the Jaguars can, you know, take sole uh, control of a first place in the AFC South. And the Rams, you know, definitely can keep pace with what they're doing with Seattle. So, I mean, it's it's some other storylines. I mean, I could throw out the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I think they've underperformed for the amount of talent that they have and some of the things that's going on, whether it's the sideline, whether it's the national anthem, whether it's guys wanting the ball more or, you know, guys questioning the play calling. So, I mean, week to week in this league, there is no less of uh, storylines because, uh, you know, I think so much is going into it uh, that there's so much parity in the NFL that you only got three teams that are winless and you only have one team that's still undefeated, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, which I think they'll have a tough time this week going against the same team I just mentioned, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kirk, we got some good games this week, and I got five yeah. here. We'll do like a let's do a quick hit pick 'em. Um, Packers at Vikings. We saw it, Aaron Rodgers. You, you know, one minute it was a one minute twelve. They left Aaron Rodgers in that Cowboys game yeah, a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> what uh-huh. do you see happening there in in Minnesota? Packers Vikings. You know, like I said, I'll give picks, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you could be all the, all the way wrong where this NFL has been working. But when you look at Minnesota right now, you know, with Sam Bradford and this knee injury he's got going on or uh, the injury that they don't know, you know, if he's going to be back or he's day-to-day. Um, so I say that because the men in Minnesota is winning football games defensively and through special teams, kind of similar to what we saw them last year when they started off 5-0 and and then kind of just fizzled out a little bit. Uh, so can basically when you go into this game, it's your matchup, Case Keenum versus Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers and the way that Aaron Rodgers is able to not only put his team in the right situation to make plays. I mean, you're talking about a game-winning drive in Cowboy Stadium. Uh, that, to me, uh, is why you just you – know, you got to put them as the favorite, the Packers, and you'll be surprised if they lose this game against Minnesota. Yeah, he's playing on another level, Aaron Rodgers, and and they got a running game going with with another Aaron, Aaron Jones, um, and I think if they can sustain the run with him, it just makes them all that more dangerous. Um, I think the low key game of the week, you mentioned it, Kirk Rams at Jags. If we if Kareem Hunt wasn't doing what he was doing this year, uh, we'd be talking about Leonard Fournette a whole lot more. He had that ninety yard touchdown, two touchdowns against the Steelers. What do you look at when you see Rams and Jags? I look at two teams uh, that are different, you know, different but yet similar um, because they both got new head coaches, Doug Marone with the Jaguars and, you know, Sean McVay um, with the Rams. Um, And then you look at the two quarterbacks, fairly young. I mean, Blake Bortles is still the jury's out on how good he can be. And last week he only threw the ball one time in the second half, yet they won 30 to 9. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of funny to think about, you know, where this Jaguar team can be going uh, this season. Mike, I mean, uh, not Mike, but Tom Coughlin has really got this team. I mean, really got this team focused and playing to their strengths. Their strength is using their offensive line, running the football, and playing good defense. While they're on the other side, the Rams are about scoring points. They're about scoring points, uh, making stops on defense. Not necessarily, you know, the, the um, getting, you know, the big uh, – you know, yards are going to happen, but just finding a way to get a stop or a turnover. So it's an intriguing matchup, man. Two of the games, I think, good running backs. You mentioned Leonard Fournette, but, you know, how about Ty Gurley and what he's been able to do so far this season to oh, me? Yeah. Uh, showing he's one of the best backs in the, in the, uh, in, in all of the NFL. Not just his running, it's been his receiving out of the backfield as well. Been a playmaker. So uh, it's an intriguing matchup. Like I said, it didn't look good in the beginning of the year or before the season started. But this is, I think, one of those can't uh, can't miss games 
here in week six. But also at the same time, it's, it's at the, uh, you know, a four, that 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific window. So I think you get a lot of eyeballs on that game. Steelers Chiefs, you mentioned Big Ben, five interceptions last week against those Jaguars. Uh, the Chiefs, they're rolling right now, but something tells me that the Steelers aren't going to have two bad performances in a row. Yeah, you would think so. You would think that they come out highly motivated after really getting embarrassed by the Jaguars a week ago. They got embarrassed. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then they got to hear it all week. And then you had the comments of Ben Roethlisberger saying that uh, maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Maybe he was just, you know, uh, he needs to just retire. And, look, he said it kind of sarcastically. But still, though, people are going to bring those questions up. And when you got a team that, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks, you know, Le'Veon Bell's talking about maybe we need to run the ball more. And that way we don't throw five interceptions. Or you got Antonio Brown, you know, prior or the week prior to this, you know, saying, you know, arguing on the sideline about a, a route that he won the ball thrown to him that they practiced all week long and didn't get thrown in the game. So with all that chaos uh, that you're seeing from Pittsburgh, this is one of those games where they go out there and get a nice performance and win, and it kind of puts smiles on everybody's faces and all is well back in Pittsburgh. And then they defeat the one undefeated team left in the NFL, and it puts them right back into, I think, people's minds as being a contender in the AFC this year and possibly a Super Bowl candidate all right Giants and Broncos Kirk listen the Broncos coming off a bye the Giants have no receivers as you mentioned can they pull off a miracle in Denver it doesn't look likely yeah I mean it's gonna be a tough one um (laughs) but at the same time you know I kind of laughed when I saw this game I said "Uh oh with the Giants at 0-5 how many more national televised games do they have um, because it's going to be hard to put them on national TV uh, sitting over there at Owen, whatever it may be, you know, if they continue to lose. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be a, a different game. I don't put much stock, I think, right now in the New York Giants at all. I mean, you don't, you're without your weapons. They don't scare me. And then you have, to me, arguably the best secondary, the no-fly zone over there in Denver. You know, obviously Chris Harris, a key to leave. Uh, Darian Stewart, Bradley, Bradley Roby, now Justin Simmons, who started now in place of um, T.J. Ward, who's now with the Buccaneers. You don't have a, a passing game because of those guys who are going to be covering all day. They're going to gear up and stop the run. And you mentioned it before, the Giants haven't really had much of a running game. So uh, I hope it doesn't get too ugly Sunday night for the, Denver, I mean, for, uh, for the New York Giants, but I don't see them winning that game. All right, Kirk, last one. Chargers at Raiders. You're a Raider, man. I, I get it. I'm going to have Marcellus on later. Um, what do you think? What's going to happen? Chargers, Raiders in Oakland. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I would say in the beginning was that the Raiders really needed to be at home. But they were at home last week, and they lost the game against the Baltimore Ravens. But obviously, hey, no Derek Carr. I think being back at home again this week, hopefully getting Derek Carr back, I think gives the team a little bit of confidence. When you got your gunslinger back, you got your guy who can make the plays, I think that's going to help out the Raiders this week. They get back to their roots, running the football, and uh, we'll see. You know, I think it's going to be a much closer game than people give, give uh, I think, give credit on, on to the Chargers. Uh, they were winless going into last week, but we all know that they were a couple kicks away from having their record totally flipped. Um, so I think it's going to be a good game, but I think the Raiders pull it off. I think they win by three. Um, at the end, but it's going to be a fought, hard fought game all the way throughout. All right, Kirk. Well, I'm going to get Marcellus's prediction here in the next segment. He's Kirk Morrison. You can follow him on Twitter at Kirk Morrison. He does great work 
on ESPN, on Sirius XM Radio covering the NFL. Uh, can't thank you enough for your time, man. Really appreciate you coming in on Raiders Week. All good, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. If you're a fan of the Chargers, shop our huge selection of Los Angeles Chargers gear and merchandise at the official pro shop of the Los Angeles Chargers. Buy officially licensed Chargers apparel to cheer on the team, including Chargers jerseys, t-shirts, tailgating gear, salute to service gear, and much more. Browse our collection of the most popular items and school accessories such as backpacks, fidget spinners, and Chargers back-to-school supplies. Find any kind of Los Angeles Chargers gear or clothing you may ever need today at shop.chargers.com. Marcellus Wiley joins me on Chargers Weekly. You can catch him on ESPN Sports Nation, ESPN LA 710, Chargers Primetime on ABC 7. Did I get them all, Marcellus? Uh, you got all the major ones. Let's just start there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got them all, brother. Thank you, man. That's love. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, the Chargers, they got, they got a W last Sunday, Marcellus, and it wasn't pretty, but they found a way to gut it out on the road. What did you make of the team's performance? Well, I'm glad that they finally got over that hump. Uh, you talk about getting your first victory and starting to feel good about yourself and get some of the positive energy from all the work. Uh, the achievement hasn't been there, but certainly the effort's been there. As we know, the Chargers, going back to last year, lost the most close ball games in the NFL. So uh, even in losing situations, they're right there. And it's just good to see that they finally got over that hump. Uh, the, the pass rush was tremendous once again, leading the way defensively. Uh, keeping Eli in check. A lot of injuries, obviously, being a physical ball club that game uh, allowed them to go out there with the physicality, take it to their receiving core. Uh, unfortunate injuries as well, but the Chargers got the victory, so start to feel good about yourself. Let's see if they can continue. Yeah, you know, you're always thrilled when you get the win in the NFL, but I have to imagine for these guys, this had some, some more special meaning because you break that nine-game losing streak they make the last year. You win a close game, which was kind of the bugaboo over the past couple of seasons. And then you do it on the road. And then to boot, Coach Lynn gets his first career win. Yeah, I mean, if you want to continue to add to those dominoes, it never hurts for a Charger fan to say that they beat Eli Manning and the Giants. Uh, we know where that all started back. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, storyline after storyline. But it's just good to see that these guys finally got the result they desire. And Coach Lynn, who's obviously come in to restore some of the Charger pride and, and get them back into the playoffs has been a drought the last couple of seasons. Uh, if you look at this team, they have the talent. I thought they were a dark horse to make the playoffs before the season. Obviously, that's a lot tougher at 1-4, and four, but not impossible. You go 0-5, oh uh, the numbers say that is impossible. So the Chargers still have a glimmer of hope, just a little hope. We'll see how they can go and maybe – even a record with the Oakland Raiders this week, both teams could be sitting at two and four after this one. Marcellus, do me a favor. I know you've been on cross-country flights both after a win and after a loss. For the fans listening, compare those two very different feelings. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, I look, takeoff, if it's after a loss, uh, guys are still feeling it. Uh, you know, it, it's not the positive environment you want. Uh, people are not heckling. We're not talking about each other and the suits we're wearing and, and the luggage that the guys have. Like it, it, It's a completely different com- complexion than when you win. So when it loses an effort, uh, guys are obviously feeling down, uh, evaluating themselves, more critical, a lot quieter, uh, more DVDs are out, more guys are looking at, looking at the game online. But when you win, 
uh, guys start to taste that victory and it's a different, it's a different flavor. So you're on the, you're on the flight and it's a lot more jokes, a lot more lighthearted conversation. Uh, you start talking about what the week looks like and you're just anticipating some positive things to come. And, you know, you, you, you can actually talk to your coaches in that moment. The funny thing is when you lose, you want to stay away from the coaches, but when you win, <laughs> yeah. you're walking up the first class to make sure you can see the guys. So it's night and day, obviously, but I would say mid flight, usually it returns to a, a better place. Even after a loss, you got to realize you got to put it behind you and move forward to the next week. So glad from takeoff to landing, they could actually have that fun. You know, the Chargers hoping to take those positive vibes and carry it into Raiders week. And you know all about Raiders week, Marcellus. What was it like for you as a Charger leading up to play this team? Oh my God. The wildest fan base there is. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about it, man. Uh, uh, it, it all started when they, they would come out in droves, uh, being down there in San Diego when I played and you would just see the Raider nation try to come out and, and huge amounts and, and, and great volume i respect their fan base and it's a rocket fan base as well so the tailgating experience was insane you knew the rivalry was strong just because uh, the the entire city was at a fever pitch for the entire week uh because i'm from la and the raiders used to play in la and now I'm down in san diego playing for the chargers i remember one year i had a hundred Two ticket requests and Wait, how many? Uh, 100, mother, how, 100? Uh, 172 <laughs> ticket requests for one damn game that was on TV. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, I know it's Raider Week, but does the entire city need to go to this game? But that's what the Raiders bring out, man. They bring out that huge fan base and they especially like to see that contention against the Chargers. So Great excitement, not just from the fans, but from the players, because we all want to stick it to them. And we had great success against the Raiders in my years, even though they had some great teams, and that included Rich Gannon, who was automatic, brother. Rich came on. He, he was our, our first guest on the podcast today. And, God, that was the era. So it was Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, Charlie yeah. Gardner, right? Was Charlie Gardner the running back? Man, they, they had it all. You talk about – and it, it really started to stop with that group and – uh, Rich Gannon connection. If you talk about how special that offense was, like you said, Tim Brown, utility man, could do it all. Just insane, the production and the efficiency that they had on offense. So, obviously, me being a defensive end, trying to stop them. Uh, they even poached one of our best defensive players in John Perella. People still remember him at defensive tackle. Uh, really had a strong unit up there. That's why they went to the Super Bowl that one year. Uh, didn't finish like they wanted, but certainly a strong team in the AFC for a few years right there, early 2000s. Well, Marcellus, you talk about this Raiders team. Uh, Derek Carr is expected to return Sunday from that back injury. And I feel like the last two players that I want to see my first game back, honestly, is Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. These guys, Marcellus, they're on pace for over 36 sacks combined this season, which is, which is insane to me. Uh, what can you say about the play <laughs> of these guys through the first five games of the year? Oh, I mean, impressive. I mean, let, let's start with Melvin Ingram and that talent that jumps off the, the screen in terms of uh, his athletic ability, his tenacity, how he gets after it. Um, tremendous player. And then Joey Bosa, just in his second year, already making a name for himself and backing up that tremendous rookie season, rookie of the year campaign. So uh, he has violent hands. He has a great motor. Uh, the guy is just all over the screen and all over the field. 
uh, you didn't expect him to hit the ground running as fast as he did, but certainly he did. And just a lot of respect for their bookends. And it just puts pressure on the other team, you know, leading the league right now. Uh, 17 sacks right now. This team just gets after opponents, uh, really strikes fear in the quarterback. And if you look at the Raiders, they're not – it's funny. They are special talent in terms of the team, but they're not special in any major category right now. It's, it's amazing looking at their record, uh, two and three team and not top ten in any major statistical category. Uh, kind of a head-scratching year because after week two, people already put them in the Super Bowl. But you look up right now, and because of injury and just not playing up to the standard, they're a team that's reeling and maybe in position to be at the bottom of the AFC West if the Chargers could get that victory. So uh, a night and day season so far for those Raiders. Can you put your finger on that? I, I, I talked to Rich about this. It was after that Redskins game. They got they got dominated on Sunday night football, and they just haven't been the same team since. And, and Carr was in that game. Obviously, he got hurt against the Broncos. He didn't play last week against the Ravens. But, you know, even beyond the quarterback, the running game has not gotten going with Marshawn Lynch. The defense has been a little suspect on, on the back end specifically. Um, is there something you could specifically point to? You know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. So in the moment, I didn't feel anything. Uh, the Redskins not only beat them, but they stole their soul. I mean, you can see that. Like, they really – that was a performance for the ages, if you want to look at how they were able to limit that offense and the receivers to one catch each, Crabtree and, and Cooper. And they haven't been the same. Crabtree tried to respond with E.J. Manuel last week, but just not the same core. Marshawn Lynch, the week before – playing at home, doing the hypey dance, getting everyone excited. Uh, if I had to point to something, it's not the talent. Uh, certainly the injury to your quarterback will always make you take a step back. But I would think that mentally they crowned themselves a little prematurely. So let's talk about the game before Washington. They're sitting there, Oakland Coliseum, uh, tremendous victory against the Jets. And, and, they're feeling themselves. And, and we know that football is a game of inches and uh, the slightest thing, the slightest deviation from the course can be disastrous. And it just seemed like this is a team that lost their sense of urgency and they lost their understanding of the perspective needed to be a championship team. And this is a team with those kind of aspirations. Last year they had them, but they got injured. Their car got injured right before the playoffs. Uh, along with Donald Penn, and that really undermined their campaign last year. It it sounds like a team that thinks that they should be somewhere that they're not working for or earning just yet. The good thing about that is that's a quicker fix. Then you just don't have it. You're just not talented enough. You just don't have the horses. So hopefully they get that mental edge back because it seems like they lost it, and they lost it pretty early in the season. Well, we hope they don't get that mental edge back on Sunday against the Chargers. But they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Both honestly, one more week. Yeah, exactly. Marcel, seriously, though, when a guy has limited mobility coming off injury, we kind of saw it with Sam Bradford on Monday night against the Bears. What can a defense do to exploit that? You know, I, in talking to Rich Gannon, he said you're probably going to see some quick throws out of the Raiders to combat that. But what can a defense do, specifically these, these uh, bookend uh, pass rushers, uh, to get to Carr? Yeah, there are a couple of things you can do. One, you got to get pressure up the middle. 
get him off a spot since you know he's he's going to have some issues with mobility. You want to actually force the action up the middle uh, so that he would have to run sideways, and, and hopefully that lateral movement is compromised, and that would that would prove disastrous for him. Uh, some blitzing up the middle, whether that's coming from linebackers or using your bookends to pinch and to stunt up the middle and the B gaps, the A gaps, anything to get pressure right in front of his face to not only interrupt the passing lanes, but also to get him moving sideways. So that's the way you want to attack it. Uh, when a guy does have that mobility issue, you don't necessarily want to come from the edges because it just makes it easier for him to step up. So look for the charges to design some, some blitzes up the middle and look for those ends to be coming in and crashing in from the B gaps and A gaps to try to get them off the spot. You know, we mentioned at the beginning, there was a lot to like last week, but it wasn't perfect by any stretch. These guys have a lot to, to improve on. What do you want to see from this team Sunday that they've been lacking this season? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the running game certainly stepped up. Uh, scrimmage yards for Melvin Gordon, uh, great game for him, but just a consistent running game. It's crazy to have a coach who's a former running back, and Coach Lynn, and, and the running game hasn't always been there for them. Uh, and, and obviously, you want to always cut down on the turnovers. But the big ball has been there. Uh, you talk about the passing game, whether it's been high or low. Uh, they've been able to have some big strikes. And, and Hunter Henry uh, continues to, to make his mark and uh, try and try and be the stalwart tight end that his talent says that he can be. So I would just say a more balanced equation for them because everyone knows what's coming when you see the Chargers offensively. A franchise quarterback in Phillip Rivers, who's going to fight to the end and at times may press and, and get his team in, in compromising situations just because he's trying to make so many plays. So you want to balance that equation with the balanced attack of a running game and some of those plays to Hunter Henry and others. Marcellus, we'll get you out here on this. I had Kirk Morrison on earlier and I told him I wouldn't be upset with him if he picked the Raiders and he said he was going to go with the Raiders in a close game, Raiders by a field goal. What do you say to that? Right here. I mean, look, the mojo is not on the Raiders' sideline. Uncle uh, momentum is with the Chargers. The Raiders are still trying to figure out which way is up. Um, I know it's a talented bunch, but they're getting their quarterback back. This, uh, who knows what kind of doubt birds are circling in his head right now as he comes to injury. Uh, Marshawn Lynch has been a shell of himself the last couple of weeks. Uh, not the same team. Like we said, it's a Jet game and, and then the Redskin game. We have not seen the same team. So, Let's be real about that. I think the Chargers in a lot of close matchups this year. The record doesn't say how good they are. Not just being a homer. I think that the Chargers are going to ride some of that momentum uh, and take it up there to Oakland and finish the deal. Look for them to come out with the same record as the Raiders and have that tiebreaker. I'm looking forward to it. Marcellus, with the last word on Chargers Weekly for Week 6. Can't thank you enough for your time, man. You can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Marcellus Wiley. Appreciate you joining me, buddy, and I will uh, hopefully see you soon. All right, take care, man. Come on, let's do it. And that'll do it for Chargers Weekly. My thanks to Rich Gannon, Kirk Morrison, and Marcellus Wiley for joining me. And thanks to you guys for listening. Hey, we strive to get the best guests each and every week, so we hope you enjoy it. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Chargers Weekly on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play. We'd also love it if you left a review on iTunes. It's really easy to do, and it helps us out. It helps us kind of move up the charts on iTunes. If you're not sure how to do it, head over to Chargers.com iTunes. That'll walk you through everything. Hey, enjoy the game on Sunday. It's going to be a good one, a big one for the Chargers. And until next time, we'll see you soon.